0: Welcome to CME on ReachMD. This episode is part of our Minute CME curriculum. Prior to beginning the activity, please be sure to review the faculty and commercial support disclosure statements as well as the learning objectives. Hello, uh, my name is Jam uh, Aiken. I'm a professor of medicine at the University of Michigan, and I will talk about the recent updates uh, to guideline-driven care in non-advanced systemic mastocytosis. Before talking about the care of patients with uh, systemic mastocytosis, uh, I would like to mention that uh, the classification and diagnostic criteria of uh, systemic mastocytosis uh, were just updated last year. And this update came in the form of two different groups uh, and uh, Fortunately for us, uh, they overlap to a great extent in between these recommendations. The first group is the World Health Organization uh, group, um, and this was published in Leukemia. And the second group is International Consensus Classification, or the ICC group, and that was published in, in the journal BLOOD. For the most part, uh, these diagnostic criteria and classification remained similar to the previous versions, but there were some uh, changes that I highlighted in yellow font here in the slide. Uh, So this is the diagnostic criteria. And as you see, uh, they consist of one major and four minor criteria. And in order to be diagnosed with systemic mastocytosis, the patient needs to have either one major plus one of these four minor criteria or in the absence of major criterion, uh, three minor criteria. So what are these? The major criterion is characteristic multifocal dense infiltrates, each consisting of 15 or more mass cells per aggregate in the bone marrow or another extracutaneous tissue. And these mass cell infiltrates are best visualized by or CD117 immunohistochemistry. And the minor criteria, uh, the first one is the morphology of the mast cells being spindle-shaped in bone marrow aspirate smears. And this uh, criterion uh, specifically applies to the bone marrow because you can see spindle-shaped mast cells in other tissues like skin or uh, even gastrointestinal tract. Uh, So it is uh, good to keep that in mind. The second criterion is detection of a codon 816 uh, kit or, or another activating mutation. So, this other activating mutations were uh, just added in the 2022 uh, version of these criteria uh, that were um, uh, proven to um, uh, cause ligand independent activation of the kit uh, molecule. And uh, the important uh, aspect of this uh, criterion is that when uh, detecting for the kit mutations, a high sensitivity method should be used. And these are generally allele-specific or digital droplet PCRs, uh, which are capable of detecting less than 0.1% of allele burden. For example, uh, methods such as next-gen sequencing or sequencing-based methods usually do not have the high sensitivity needed to detect this mutation, especially in some patients with lower mass cell burden, because we are um, here trying to detect a a, a, a somatic mutation um, that is not a germline mutation. So it will be only present in the minority of the cells, uh, and you need to have a high sensitivity test to be able to detect it. The third uh, minor criterion is expression of CD2, CD25, and as added in 2022, CD30 by the bone marrow mass cell population. And this expression can be detected by either immunohistochemistry or flow cytometry. Um, And uh, CD30 is especially a valuable marker for the well-differentiated form of systemic mastocytosis because these patients, uh, they constitute uh, the minority fraction of the uh, uh, overall patient population, but they do not express CD2 and 25, and sometimes they don't um, even have the codon 816 mutation. So it is important to keep in mind that CD30 uh, can uh, come in as a useful marker in, in these uh, cases. And then the final criterion uh, is serum triptase level greater than 20 nanograms per milliliter. And uh, just as a reference, the median serum triptase level is around 5 nanograms per milliliter. Uh, And uh, it is a marker of surrogate marker of mass cell burden. And this criterion is not valid if there is another associated myeloid disorder, such as myeloproliferative or myelodysplastic uh, syndrome because uh, myeloblasts also contain small amounts of uh, tryptase, and the serum tryptase in these patients may be elevated regardless of mastocytosis. And this is a slide uh, showing what I just talked about. On the left upper uh, corner, you see the major uh, in- criterion with the compact mass cell infiltrate stained in a bone marrow biopsy section with uh, tryptase. And on the Top uh, right corner, uh, you see these uh, spindle shaped, hypogranulated, atypical mast cells. And in the lower panel, uh, you see the flow cytometric uh, detection of uh, CD25 positive cells on the x axis uh, plotted against the CD117 kit, which is expressed uh, on all mast cells uh, on the y axis. Uh, and on the left, uh, you see a normal population without CD25. And on the right, you see a patient with mastocytosis uh, who has expression of uh, CD25. And as I mentioned, uh, this uh, can be also done as an immunohistochemical staining uh, with CD25. The uh, classification uh, of mastocytosis is shown here. Um, uh, We uh, can broadly categorize systemic mastocytosis into non-advanced and advanced forms. And the non-advanced forms are indolent systemic mastocytosis, which uh, make up the majority of the patients. Uh, And new in 2022, there is a new category called bone marrow mastocytosis. So these are patients with no uh, no skin lesions and generally lower mast cell burden with the tryptase levels uh, less than 125. And then on the other end of the spectrum is the higher mast cell burden with smoldering systemic mastocytosis, which uh, require... Uh, two or more uh, B findings uh, as you see in the slide uh, that indicate higher mass cell burden new in 2022 kit uh, d816v variant allele fraction or uh, uh, allele burden of uh, greater than 10 percent was also added as a new B finding and on the lower part of the slide you see the advanced uh, mastocytosis uh, and uh, these uh, present with a variety of, Uh, aggressive features such as C-findings indicating organ damage due to mast cell infiltration or presence of other uh, hematologic disorders or mast cell leukemia. Now, um, how do we manage patients uh, with non-advanced systemic mastocytosis? Um, Now, uh, it is important to make the point that these patients generally have a comparable life expectancy to general population, uh, but that doesn't mean that they are uh, not suffering from this disease, they uh, can uh, experience a variety of mass activation symptoms due to triggers. And these triggers uh, vary depending on the patient, uh, and they can include uh, things like uh, temperature changes, friction, stress, alcohol, exercise, certain medications like non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs or, or opioids, and hymenopterous things like uh, honeybees or vespid uh, stings. There is a a need to screen these patients for osteoporosis because about uh, one out of three patients with non-advanced systemic mastocytosis may have osteoporosis and may suffer compression fractures, especially of the spine. Um, and uh, the mainstay of the treatment is prophylactic pharmacotherapy for mast cell activation symptoms. And depending on the symptom level, this may range from only as needed uh, treatment uh, of an H1 antihistamine, for example, to daily scheduled multiple uh, classes of anti-mast cell mediator therapies like H1 and H2 antihistamines, leukotriene blockers, and so on. And then, of course, management of associated comorbidities uh, like osteoporosis or hymenoptera venom allergy uh, is an important part of the overall uh, strategy um, of uh, patient uh, treatment. Um, Now, uh, if you look at the stepwise pharmacological management of non-advanced mastocytosis, we always start with a non-sedating, long-acting H1 antihistamine, such as uh, cetirizine, fexofenadine, or loretidine. And these can be administered once or twice daily and could be supplemented with a shorter-acting antihistamine, such as diphenhydramine or hydroxyzine, if needed. And uh, if this is not uh, sufficient to uh, take care of the symptoms, uh, Depending on what the symptoms are, uh, one might add a leukotriene blocker such as Montelukast um, and uh, an H2 antihistamine such as famotidine, uh, which also works for abdominal symptoms uh, and phototherapy. Um, and for abdominal symptoms, as I uh, mentioned, uh, H, H2 antihistamines, proton pump inhibitors, chromal and sodium, and leukotriene blockers. And for recurrent hypotensive anaphylactic episodes, which may occur in some patients, uh, we usually use um, uh, leukotriene um, blockers in addition to H1 antihistamines and H2 antihistamines. Uh, For uh, recurrent anaphylaxis refractory to these uh, treatments, uh, we usually consider adding omeluzumab, which is an anti-IgE monoclonal antibody. And uh, this is, of course, used as an off-label Uh, treatment in these patients. Um, And occasionally, glucocorticoids may be used for short terms in patients with uh, anaphylactic episodes uh, or uh, some patients with uh, refractory diarrhea. And if there is no response to um, any of these um, uh, groups of treatments, uh, then these patients would be candidates for clinical trials uh, targeting either mediator-related symptoms or uh, targeting the mast cell cytoreduction uh, itself. I hope uh, this uh, review was useful in uh, considering the general uh, classification, uh, diagnosis, and management principles guiding non-advanced systemic mastocytosis. Thank you for your attention. You've been listening to CME on ReachMD.